0: It's the Gardening Programme here on Midwest Radio on Saturday morning, the 18th of March. Good morning, Paul Good morning, Georgia. Good
1: morning, happy, morning, listeners. Happy
0: post-St. Patrick's Day <laughs> to you.
1: Well, in some places we'll be doing it all
0: again. In, <laughs> we in, will. Yeah. I know. I know. People had to cancel was, yesterday. It was a difficult and, day yesterday. Uh, yeah, definitely challenging um, mm-hmm. for committees and organisers and knowing what's the right decision to do. Exactly. And, uh, I suppose, you know, you want to maximise the event itself and the enjoyment uh, of it and uh, yet at the same time you want to try and have it on the day of of of, of St. Patrick. But Absolutely. Anyway, can't always you can't well, always control it. Always worked the, that yeah, way. control these things. And I say if you can't control about it, don't worry about it and just kind of reschedule.
1: But speaking of St. Patrick's weekend, mm. it's normally the traditional time for planting the humble spud, The Yum. potato. And interesting, I think in the um Saturday Independent they had a full feature on potatoes, more about the cooking of potatoes and but really kind of marking this time of year as being the potato planting season. And so traditionally, the 17th of March, now, weather permitting of course, but it is the start of, um, for people to be thinking about, planting some early new potatoes. So if you want those nice flowery potatoes in June and July, this is the time of year. Between now I suppose and the end of April, you can plant potatoes in the ground. And there's some fantastic varieties. Varieties that we don't get to buy in the shops. So we tend to, you know, if you go to your green grocery, you tend to get the traditional... Varieties that store well during the winter, like rooster, sure. like curse the, pinks, and swamblers.
0: So yeah, because there's quite a small selection, really, I suppose, in terms of what we purchase on a day to day basis in terms of our shopping.
1: Particularly at this time of year. Yeah. And even with the new potatoes, it tends to be Home Guards or British Queens that we get to buy or purchase in greengrocers. But there's such a wide variety of um, fantastic potatoes, new potatoes in particular, and many of them are actually bred here in Ireland. We've got a great research centre down in Kilkenny okay. that develop and crossbreed uh, Irish varieties. So many of the kind of traditional Irish varieties like Satanta, La Colleen, which you don't just get to buy in the shops, or Cara, are bred in Kilkenny The seed is developed there and then it's put onto the market. And of course, the growers pick the varieties that suit them from a commercial point of view. But there's so many great old varieties as well, like Sharps Express which is a lovely early season potato. It's a kidney-shaped potato. Very, very early. This time of year, you sprout it indoors in a bright windowsill. So my advice really is to pop down to your local garden centre, mm-hmm. look at the varieties of potatoes. They'll probably have 30 or 40 really? different varieties Yeah, at this time of year. You'll have the first earlies, which if planted any time in the next couple of weeks, will be ready to, for harvesting around the middle of June, uh, the end of June. Second earlies come in July onwards, and then the main crop varieties you have for autumn, winter and spring use. But there's so many great varieties to select.
0: Do we, get, uh, do we get many varieties here, um, say, you know, the potato comes, as far as I remember, from South America originally. Oh, yeah. um, so, I, I know there they have lots of different kind of different colours like purples oh, and deep yellows. Yeah. I know here we tend to have kind of, you know, the very singular white potato or the whitish potato. Well,
1: the Irish palette is, mm. of course, we love that flowery potato. We love the British Queen or the uh, Colleen, for example, is a lovely uh, flowery variety. Or Sharps Express is quite a flowery one as well. Satan. So the Irish palate tends to favour a, a drier, floury potato, one that breaks out after boiling. One, or,
0: one, one that gladly accepts butter, I Exactly.
1: <laughs> that, and, and we find that a lot of our UK customers look for um, a more kind of solid potato. Um, the waxier a more, one. Yeah, salad. Yeah, that's a kind of solid waxier, like home guards, which tend to have a lot more moisture in them. So depending on the palate, of course, that tends to... Dictate which potatoes are are made available. But I suppose the point really is there's a lovely variety called Duke of York. It's Red Duke of York. Mm -hmm. It's a red-skinned potato. It's got yellow flesh, fantastic flavour. Again, sprouted now at this time of year, planted out of doors from any time from kind of the middle of the end of March onwards and, and right up to the end of April, they can be planted. And Duke of York, that red variety is... Uh, an unusual variety that you can harvest it as young potatoes as new potatoes or you can let it grow on and harvest it more as a main season crop so you can leave some of the tubers in the ground to make bigger fuller sized red skin, red skin tubers yeah. um, for summer use so but, but really I suppose the point I'm making is to this is the time of year to certainly select the varieties put them indoors in a bright frost free location so somewhere like a shed or a greenhouse sprout them get them started and when the weather changes which it will start planting them then out of doors. Indeed, many of the varieties can be grown in pots and containers or raised beds, so it doesn't have to be garden soil. If you've got some old pots in the garden with good drainage, you can use ordinary garden compost, put three or four tubers in the bottom of the container, put another layer of compost over that, another two or three layers of tubers, and have a pot or a a bag full of of spuds growing out in a patio or out in the garden somewhere. And a great way, again, to get the kids involved. And there's nothing like a new potato in you know, early mid-June. Yeah going okay. out picking it and bringing it in and, and uh, that lovely new potato Absolutely. taste yes. so this is the time of year and as as you mentioned there are plenty of different varieties white skinned yellow skinned um, some Satanta for example is a red skinned potato yeah. with a white flesh mm-hmm. so there's lots of different varieties and lots of different flavours Foremost for example is a very good variety for growing in containers short stemmed it's a waxy type potato so if you like your salad potato or you want to grow some salad potatoes look for that one called Foremost so they're varieties that you just won't see you won't get to buy it's a bit like apples you know we yeah. tend to have a very small range of apples to buy in the greengrocers, whereas there's so many different varieties particularly that have very good flavor that we miss out on.
0: Yeah, that's true, exactly. And I mean, if you are going to uh, the, well, I won't say the trouble, but if you're, you know, you want to grow your own potatoes, it it is lovely to be able to do something that's a little bit different, that isn't available just commercially, uh, and that you're kind of maximising the whole experience. Exactly. And we
1: are in that grow your own stage at the moment, Um, certainly for people that are interested in growing some herbs or some vegetables or some salad crops. This is the time of year to sow the seed indoors. So on a wet, miserable day like mm. today, you can certainly get, you know, sow the seeds of cabbage and sprouts and cauliflower indoors in seed trays, um, compost moist, a little bit of cling film over them, sit, sit them on a windowsill and they're up in, in seven to ten days with a view to planting them out then in, in the end of March, early April. Okay. So Grow Your Own really starts now with the planting of garlic, the planting of onions, the planting of seeds, um, garden peas, beans. The plants are available for planting. If you're ready to do that but yep. you can also sow the seed and i often often advocate to do a little bit of both so plant some plants small range of plants and plant some seed at the same time and you've got that success of sowing and cropping then right through the summer period
0: okay and in relation to uh, uh, i suppose particularly the, the potatoes because uh, i mean that now is is the time for that mm. um, and what, what are the key things then if people are considering doing potatoes, particularly maybe if they are first timers, for example, um, like soil preparation, all that kind of thing. Yeah, Well,
1: the key thing at this time of year is obviously picking the varieties and getting them to sprout, getting them to initiate Mm. their little buds. And that's simply just putting them on a tray in a bright location and just allowing plenty of light onto the tubers. So you get that early little buds forming. The second thing then when we're planting out potatoes are hungry crops so they do require a reasonable amount of fertiliser. So you pick a a relatively open spot in the garden Mm. reasonably good soil add some compost to that or if you have some old garden compost yourself or if you have some Rotten manure, organic matter so ch- um, anything like farmer manure, horse manure is great to add to the soil. So they are quite hungry if you haven't got that you can use granulated fertilisers, organic fertilisers or granulated feeds. So you enrich the soil really well. It's only simply a matter of opening up a drill
0: mm-hmm.
1: about 12 inches deep sticking the potato right into, into the bottom of the drill space them about a foot apart and cover them with soil it's that simple they're very very easy to grow very you know so it's well worth having a go and indeed as i said if you haven't got a piece of soil to grow them in you can grow them in pots and containers and particularly if you have a sheltered patio or a nice sunny patio or a tunnel or greenhouse it's great to start them off early and you'd have them very very early in the season before they hit the shops you'll be harvesting your own New, new potatoes. Okay,
0: very uh, good. So
1: this is the time of year for that, To The other thing, I, I was actually in Dublin this week and I was admiring the beautiful magnolias which have come in. Dublin is generally about 10 days ahead Ahead of us us, in terms of flowering so the beautiful magnolias and langian and stellata are in full flower camellia which I brought into the studio
0: beautiful camellia
1: and they've been flowering believe it or not since January of this year and camellias are great because they start flowering the buds start to open in January Um, but this particular plant you can see there's lots of flowers open Mm. but there's loads of buds yet to open which will open in several weeks time so camellias tend to flower over a very very long period Um, they always flower through Mother's Day but I mean, time Mother's Day, and, and, and and that's on. a particular
0: shade of pink. But Mother's Day is,
1: is, next it, is it next Sunday? Sunday next week. Su- Sunday, Sunday week, yeah. yeah. The 26th. So tomorrow,
0: tomorrow week. Tomorrow week, yeah.
1: Uh, but it tends, the day can vary from year to year. Yeah. I think it's the last Sunday the of, of March.
0: Third Sunday. I third
1: think. Sunday, is that mm. it? So the third Sunday of March, there you go. So camellias are always in flower. Um, during March and, and April so they're a, a lovely Mother's Day plant I always think
0: and that but one is a particularly lovely shade of pink
1: it, and they come in varieties of reds and pinks and um, uh, you know even white and even a light yellow as well so there's lots of different colours in the camellia family they're evergreen of course they mm. hold their leaf and believe it tea is made from the camellia plant okay. there you go or something you didn't know. <laughs> Not from this particular, <laughs> particular camellia, but it's actually tea is made from the leaves, the but young leaves. Obviously, of it's cam- dried of and camellias. Uh, yes. yeah. oh. um, so lots of spring flowering plants, make, and it's a good time for planting. Many of the spring flowering plants, so the magnolias I mentioned, they're absolutely beautiful. They're just beginning, the buds are just breaking now at the moment here in the west of Ireland. So it's a really good time for planting them in the garden. Again, magnolias flower at this time of year, every year, They produce really large tulip-like mm. flowers in shades of pinks, and shades of white. Pretty there are some yeah. dwarf varieties as well, like stellata that will only grow to about six or seven feet, a relatively small form, or others that, that will make a small tree. Um, Forsythii is in flower at the moment, the lovely yellow flowering yes. Forsythii. Bright butter yellow flowers, really easy shrub to grow, but again, this is the time of year to plant them. So, if we do get a window, a bit of dry weather this coming week, which I think tomorrow we are, afternoon. Well, and we're <laughs> promised a couple of dry days, I think, into yeah, next I week. Know.
0: It's, going to it's I really
1: know. good planting weather because the temperatures are warm. You can see lots of new growth starting. Many of the hedgerows, the white thorn is mm. beginning to break leaf now, many of the trees are breaking leaf, so growth is certainly starting. So, putting plants into the ground, they're going to do very well going to take off very well. So that's the other thing to do. And the last thing I'd be advising Mm -hmm. people is to feed plants now. So again, the temperatures are perfect. The moisture that we're actually getting today is perfect. So if you do fancy putting on the jacket and the wellies and going out with a a little bit of garden fertiliser, this is perfect weather because you need the moisture to To wash the fertiliser into the soil. So if you have pruned your roses or if you pruned your buddlias or your shrubs in general, this is a really good time to go out and feed trees, hedging plants, um, roses, Trees and shrubs in general, the growth is starting, so they need the fertilizer now. So get yourself a small bag of tree and shrub fertilizer, sprinkle it around the base of the plants, and that's all you need to do. The rain will wash it in. There's no need to rake it in. Okay. If you've got bark mulch or chippings, say, many many mm. listeners will have shrub beds with, with the Plantex material and bark and chippings. Don't worry about that. Literally just put the fertilizer on top of the bark and it'll wash its way through. So it's often a question we get asked, do I need to rake back the bark, do I need to, you don't, you just literally put the fertiliser right on the top, the surface of the bark or gravel and the rain will wash it through, particularly the sort of rain we're getting at the moment. So it's, it's kind of good. soft,
0: gentle rain it is, rather it can, than driving. It will yeah.
1: wash it in and then as the growth continues during this, the, this coming week, that fertiliser is made available to the plants.
0: Great. Okay, so there's quite a bit there. One might think that they, uh, you mightn't be just ready to get out fully yet, but there are lots of there's jobs lots there. lots of things. Yeah.
1: It, it, it really, at this time of year, is that the kind of sowing principle. It's thinking about sowing the seed of vegetable and flowering plants, sowing potatoes at this time of year, onion, garlic, um, planting rhubarb plants, You know, planting um, artichokes in the garden. So the planting of many plants and the sowing of seed. And also, then the soil conditions will be ideal as we get into the latter part of this week for actually putting plants into the garden particularly those that are beginning to show a bit of colour.
0: Okay, great. We did mention uh, some parades cancelled and actually the first question in this morning it relates to Shamrock which okay. we discussed last week we a- on we sure the programme, yeah um, and so Uh, parades cancelled I'd like to keep my little shamrock plant alive until Sunday week should I leave it outside or in the house where will it grow a little bit more
1: well if it's in a pot if it's uh, sometimes you can buy them in little pots in compost so stick it on the on the windowsill indoors and keep it keep it watered water maybe every third or fourth day Mm. would be fine and it'll actually grow quite a bit over the next Indoors, particularly if, they, if it's warm. It can be left out outside as well. Um, it is an outdoor plant. It's totally frost hardy. So, But if you want it to grow and kind of double in size, then certainly uh, just keep it inside, keep it moist. If it's the small little vials, the small little, you know, um, thin vials, rooted vials, then take that plant out of the vial and put it into a pot of compost. And again, do the same thing. Just keep it on the windowsill and it'll be fine. Anybody that has rooted shamrock, it will come back. Next year,
0: yes, again, yeah. We d- we talked a little bit about that. Yeah, th- yes. I know last week on the program yeah. that you can plant it out and honest, it kind it stays there for it's, it's, it's perennial. It's, it comes yeah, back. it, it needs back.
1: a kind of a a, a a very kind of impoverished soil, a gravelly sandy type soil because it fixes its own nitrogen. So, and it can spread. So just keep an eye that it just doesn't that it doesn't, doesn't
0: take over. Yeah. Then that you don't end up with a garden of oh, uh, shamrock. shamrock. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'd say could happen easy enough. You could uh, now let's stay with uh, things green and lawns. So uh, Mora got the first cut in this week. Well done, Mora. Now lots of moss visible. Um, okay, so treating the well, moss it's very common at the moment. Uh, yeah, I suppose people have been mowing
1: the grass, um, and and the moss, of course, is visible. Look, the simple treatment is you put on your liquid zero. Now that'll kill the moss overnight. So within kind of twenty four hours of applying it. Now you you need. Not a day like today. Obviously, a reasonable... Daylight day like tomorrow, I think you said, it's going to be dry tomorrow in the afternoon. afternoon. Yep. So, reasonable dry weather. The grass can be moist, the, the moss can be wet, but put the zero on in dry weather. You put it... It's a liquid. You simply mix it with water, put it out through its spray, a clean spraying machine and, as I say, it'll kill off the moss within 24 hours. And the next step then is to put on a lawn feed. So, something like the Osmo lawn fertiliser will green the lawn without forcing it. So, do those two steps. The lawn will be back in good condition and uh, hopefully moss-free.
0: Absolutely. Wedding this July. What can I plant now that will be in flower? Uh, want to have a go at growing some flowers for cutting.
1: Well, July is a great mm. time because there's so many plants that come into flower in July. There's lots of the, the summer flowering bulbs available at the moment. So things like the long stemmed dahlias would be really good. I mentioned, I think, one called Boom Boom uh, a couple of weeks back. Yep. And Linda's Baby was another one, which is a really nice pink variety. Boom Boom is a deep red. So go for the long stemmed dahlias they're really good if you plant them now you can start them off indoors now in pots and containers they come in little tubers you simply put them into compost keep them moist they start to grow and certainly by june the middle of june they start to flower and they flower right through july and august to make great cut flowers sweet pea would be good as well again plants will be available in the next week or two plant them out of doors it's a climbing plant and by july it's it's into flower and of course they're scented Mm -hmm. garden lilies Again, they come in a bulb form at this time of year. So come in a whole range of different colours. The one thing to watch with lilies is you've got the pollen on in the on the little um, the stamens. stamens. Yeah. So you need to cut those off when you're cutting the flowers because they'll stay. Because
0: otherwise it'll be yellow <coughs> everywhere. It
1: will. But so the lilies are great because, again, they're scent scented. They're easy to grow and make a fantastic cut flower. Arum lilies are good as well. Mm-hmm. They're really large white flowering. They're actually
0: stunning, right? I, I they're think, really good, know, yeah. yeah.
1: Nice, long, clean stem, easy plant to grow and they're perennial. They come back year after year. Um, what else comes to mind? Gladioli would be really good. Long-stemmed gladiolis. Again, they're in bulbs at the moment. You plant them out of doors and they come. They start to grow in April and flower from July onwards. Agapanthus, which is the African lily, they come in shades of white and blues and again, they're in a root or a bulb form now and again, if you plant them now, they'll come into flower. Look at this, lots of... You're lo- really looking for plants that are going to produce a nice long stem. So pop into your local garden centre, go through the bulb collection and there'll be lots, there'll be even some collections there for cutting. Right. Sold as cut flower uh, arrangements and they'll be really good.
0: Great. Now, raised beds and pots in the greenhouse, all cleared out, well done. Have added some compost. What vegetable cl- plants can I plant to fill them up this weekend?
1: Well, if you wanted a few early seed p- potatoes, why not put in some of the Red Duke of York? Just put in a couple of tubers just for a b- bit of fun it grow very well in raised beds but all of the vegetable plants are available now so things like hispe cabbage um cauliflower can be planted now uh, the um all the kind of beetroot plants mm-hmm. are available so there's a whole range of, of vegetable plant uh, plants available now for planting so go for the kind of quicker maturing so things like all anything in the lettuce family little gem Lettuce, for example is a really nice small tidy head of lettuce that does very well in greenhouses um the cabbage hispy, the cauliflowers do well, the the beetroot will work well for you. Um and then maybe sow some seed as well. Yeah. So you can sow the seed of... Carrots and
0: parsnips. could you be well? Carrots, early?
1: Yeah, carrots in the tunnel would, will do fine. Parsnips generally do better out of doors. Um, I, for the tunnel, really, you're looking for quick maturing mm. plants. They're going to turn around very quickly. So anything in the salad family, white lisbon onions would be good as well. Sets and shallots could be planted in, in the tunnel. Um, tomatoes, the plants of tomatoes are available at the moment. Now, they do need a little bit of frost protection. So if we do get frost warning put a bit of fleece over mm-hmm. them. But certainly you could start the greenhouse out with some, some tomatoes now as well. So focus on the salad crops. Um, cabbage hispe is quite good because it matures within a six-week period. It's very fast maturing. And um, as I say, the, the beetroot, the tomato plants, perfect. So, and sow some seed. Use the, the, the greenhouse to raise some seed as well for planting out of doors later on.
0: Great. Uh, Now, Tom has a problem with overgrown ivy. Can you recommend a product that will kill overgrown ivy? It's destroying a perimeter wall.
1: Okay, you can use a a treatment called SBK. So it's, it's a brushwood killer. Very strong, very effective on ivy. Um, Again, Tom will need a dry day to put it on. So you mix the SBK treatment with water, put a small bit of washing up liquid into the mix. That helps to stick it onto the ivy because the leaf is very waxy. And um, just spray it onto the foliage, repeat it probably four or five weeks later and that'll see the ivy dead Dead. and gone.
0: Okay, good luck with that. Now, um, what would be the best tree to grow in a bog or under a bog gravel ground? A privacy and wind barrier is needed and they'd like it to grow Fast. Okay,
1: well, a couple that would actually make a a very good dense hedge would be things like willow, does very well in in bogland area. Mm -hmm. It likes the moisture, it'll put on feet of growth per year, three to four feet of growth a year, and it responds very well to hard pruning back. So willow for me would be super uh, and form a really thick thick clump. Good,
0: and it's fast. It's very fast, Mm.
1: very fast growing. Dogwoods would do very well as well, the Mm -hmm. cornice. They're red-stemmed and yellow-stemmed. They're quite attractive, actually, during the winter period, but they make a good, solid, tight hedge as well. Birch would do very well. So birch or hornbeam, hazel, any of those plants. And you can do a mixture of all uh, four or five different species, if you want, to get a kind of a mixed uh, country-style hedge, put a bit of honeysuckle through it, maybe maybe some wild roses. So there's a range of plants that would suit. Um, So... Speed certainly the willows would be one of the best and make a very f- fine, thicket, two metres thick, you know, five two to three metres high of a mm. of a, 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 a hedge over yeah. a short period.
0: Okay, great. Now here's an interesting one. Anne is wondering how do you get worms back into the garden?
1: Organic matter. If you introduce some farmer manure, horse manure. Worms basically need organic matter to break down. They they process it through their system. That's what they feed on. So anything that, that will form a, an organic content. Mm. So your own garden compost, for example, worms will work their way into that. So if you're putting out your vegetable peelings and your grass clippings yeah. and your leaves and so on, anything that has an organic content will attract worms into the garden. So, you know, the old vegetable gardens were always enriched with farm manure, horse manure, um, mushroom compost. And garden waste as well, or kitchen waste. Yes. Um, so all of those materials encourage worms back into your garden. Where you're leaving your garden untreated or, or, not, or not using organic mm. materials, they tend to move away from. Okay. So that they'll, you'll find them under a leaf litter, um, Gar- you know, compost heaps, that type of thing. So enrich your soil with organic matter. Or use your own, Make start making your own compost. Do
0: we like to have worms in oh, the garden? We yes, we do. Most important. Okay. Yeah, the
1: worms basically Breaking aerate the, the soil. The soil. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, t- they take the organic matter from the surface and they bring it back down, to, to, down into the soil where the roots can make use of it. So worms are, are hugely beneficial in the garden. And they also aerate. The fact that they're moving through the soil, they're creating small... Tunnels where water escapes, and and um, so it's, they're critical, really, in the garden. They're most important. Okay, so they're
0: they're 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 multifunctional. They're beneficial. Really. Yeah. beneficial. Now uh, we have somebody living close to the Atlantic coast. They're okay. in Newport. Right. Uh, lots of battering winds, and imagine. they'd like to shelter their garden. What plant or plants will survive this battering? Should they plant a hedge or trees? Help yep. is the. Well, <laughs> a hedge is the, final is the most
1: word. generally in exposed gardens or seaside gardens. The first thing we look at in terms of designing hmm. the garden would be looking at the boundaries and creating shelter because you're protecting the garden against salt in particular and also against the wind, the damaging wind. So generally you're looking for plants that can tolerate both. And the plant I would recommend is one called Silver Edge. It's got silver foliage. It's evergreen. It'll grow six, seven, eight feet in height. It'll form a very thick uh, tight hedge for you and get that initial barrier to the wind so look for that that silver, edge, silver it's, edge it's space the plants two plants per meter and it'll form a really tight full hedge within a couple of years for you and once you've got that established it allows you then to grow quite a wide variety of plants without that initial barrier it's very difficult to get plants to establish and expose coastal areas you can also use things like new zealand flax which is a formium from has come to us from New Zealand right. it's got flax like uh, branches or, or leaves, again very tough very hardy and great as an initial barrier to the, to the sea air so formium, it, indeed you could use a mixture of different plants, so you could use the formiums and the silver edge to form that initial barrier and then select seaside plants, so things like hydrangeas do very well in coastal areas um, fuchsia, hypericum, there's a whole range of plants that will actually grow in coastal areas, but putting that initial boundary and barrier in is the critical part because you're filtering the salt and you're filtering the wind and you're giving the plants a far better chance and you're also giving shelter to your garden which is very very important important, during the summer months so look for silver edge plant it now it'll form a hedge within a couple of years and once you've got that really well established there's lots of other plants then you can introduce into the garden Hebes, you know there's a whole range of seaside plants that would work very well
0: so the key thing there really is to, t- is to plan, first of all, Pla- how you're going to shelter it and, exactly. then, and then build uh, from, from the outside in. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you're framing the garden, you're creating the shelter, and particularly in seaside or exposed gardens, that's the initial thing to start with because it gives you such a wide choice then of plants to grow once you've got that initial shelter uh creation yeah. also frames the garden and puts a bit of structure on it.
0: Now, I have a blueberry plant sowed last year out in the garden. Would it do better in a pot on the patio?
1: Well, blueberries, the key requirement for blueberries is that remember that they're a long-lived plant. They last till 50, 60 years one plant will.
0: Ooh, I didn't realize has, oh, it's yeah, that. Oh yeah,
1: they're they're you know, they're right up to pension age, <laughs> our blueberry <laughs> plants. Okay. But uh interestingly enough, they require Lime free soil, so they need an ericaceous soil. So, I, I, I've mentioned on the program before Keeling's fruit farm in Dublin, mm. they grow their blueberries in, in huge pots, pots. Yeah. yeah, because they can, can control the soil, the type of soil. So, they do extremely well in pots. Get yourself a large pot, ericaceous compost, an ericaceous feed. Mix the two together, put your blueberry into the pot, and grow it there. It, it'll grow quite happily in the garden soil. You need to recreate acidic or acid type soil so lots of peat or lots of ericaceous compost added to the soil if you're going to grow them in, in garden soil so yeah if it, if it's struggling and you don't think it's doing very well lift it now put it back into its pot but make sure that you use ericaceous or lime-free compost and a lime-free fertilizer with that as well
0: great and one or two more then we'll take another quick break um you mentioned hazel tree there earlier. Somebody, John, has a hazel tree and a weeping cherry. They're close together at the moment. He's wondering about moving the hazel tree. Could he do it now?
1: He could. Now, we're, we're, we're kind of on the edge of moving plants and digging plants right. up. Once so they break leaf. Yeah. Now, hazel is very, very easy to grow. Um, hard to kill, nearly, I'd put it that way. <laughs> so, if John can get out this weekend or maybe Monday or Tuesday of this coming week, just dig the hazel plant up and transplant it. It'll move fine. No problem at all. So, Um, and replant it back at the original level, firm it in well, it'll be perfectly okay.
0: Now, I have a pop-up plastic small tunnel. Is it too early to plant tomatoes? Can I plant in the garden soil or should I use pots?
1: I would use pots for tomatoes, use a good quality compost, use a fairly large tub, maybe a 20 litre pot, so kind of a bucket-sized pot when you're planting up tomatoes. Um, to To be honest, what I would do is just move the tomato plant into a smaller pot just yet. Keep it on the windowsill to grow it on because it's only a pop-up tunnel. Mm. Um, if you had a, a full-sized tunnel or a greenhouse, yes, you could put them out there at the moment, remembering that you need to keep them frost free. So if we do get frost, you just cover them. Um, so I would grow it on the windowsill indoor in the house in a smaller pot just yet. Keep it there for the next two or three weeks and then put it out into the pop-up tunnel in a bright sheltered spot and put it into a pot of um, good quality compost, something like the grow-wise compost would be ideal rather than garden soil.
0: Now, listener wondering about um, the availability of low-growing shrubs or low-growing roses at the moment. Would yeah. it be in stocks and gardens? And oh, yeah, they what, will, of course. This what, is the time you, of what year. What would
1: you be recommending? Well, there's a whole range. I mean, in terms of low-growing roses, you've got the patio range of roses which are short, bushy, give a lot of, of colour. And um, You've got varieties, of bedding rose, one called Trumpeter, which is really nice. It grows about two feet high, two feet wide, huge amount of flowers on it. You've got the flower carpet roses, which, again, are available in a whole range of different colours. Mm-hmm. If planted now, they will flower this summer, so it's a good time to get, get them in. In. Um, in terms of small shrubs, I mean, there's lots of um, potentillas and hebes and dwarf fuchsias, so there's a wide range of, of um, dwarf shrubs available at the moment. Generally, when you're planting roses and garden shrubs, consider planting them in clusters of the same type. In Ireland, we tend to have the tendency of planting ones of everything, onesies, <laughs> Lots of kind of, you know, in a bed. Rather than putting my... Particularly, I, I see it in Holland a lot when yeah. I'm in Holland. They, they tend cl-
0: Yeah, they look very lonely and meagre. They do. Yeah, they're not really then shown off to their full advantage. Exactly.
1: So in Europe, they tend to plant more in clusters. So smaller numbers of plants, of varieties of plants in gardens, but bigger numbers of a particular type. So right. they'll put, you know, eight or 10 hydrangeas together or eight or 10 roses together of the same colour. And you just get that dramatic effect from right. them. They're far easier to maintain, and uh, the the eight or ten plants tend to grow into one another, forming a large cluster, which is more eye catching and easier to maintain. maintain and and um, so, maybe consider that when you're putting in the plants, put in less variety and more numbers of particular plants, and get that clustered effect. It looks really effective, I think.
0: Fantastic! One more, and then we are going to a break. Um, we I fancy a flowering cherry for the garden. Okay. What colours are they ava- Are they available in and where is the best place to pa- plant one?
1: Well, they come in a whole range of different sizes, first mm-hmm. of all. So depending on, on um, you know, you can literally get a, a flowering cherry that'll only grow at two or three feet. You can get weeping varieties that'll grow six, seven, eight feet high. You can get a lovely variety called prunus which is the tabletop cherry or the flat top cherry, which grows upwards and then outwards. So the flowers hang. You can walk under the tree it's a relatively small tree, so it'll grow up to maybe ten, twelve feet in height. But you can walk right under the tree, and the flowers hang down. And Charité is a double white flowering cherry, very spectacular when in bloom. Really nice variety. Doesn't get out of hand, so it's you know it's it's kind of a maintenance-free mm. variety. But really nice as a specimen cherry tree in a lawn situation um, or in a large bed. So you get that flat-topped effect with the flowers hang- hanging underneath. So that's Prunus charité. Prunus Kansan is the variety that um, has the double pink flowers, so, you know, quite a, lo- a large tree and you need lots of sprays for it. Probably the one that I favour most is one called Prunus Burgundy Red. And it's called Burgundy Red because the foliage, the leaf is actually the colour of wine. Oh,
0: that sounds Red lovely. Red
1: wine. Right.
0: Yeah. And, so, and the flowers? The flower then?
1: is a double pink flower, very like Prunus okay. Kansan. Um, so it's double pink flower, so ver- very spectacular in flower. But the foliage, and the foliage, as you know, comes comes into leaf at the end of March mm. and lasts till November. So you've got this red wine-coloured tree uh, for whatever, nine months of the yeah. year. You get the flowers in the springtime and it's probably the nicest variety of all. So that's called Prunus burgundy red. Burgundy red. Burgundy red. Okay. So it's, it's got the lovely red foliage like wine-coloured leaf and a nice double pink flower. Again, a good time to plant it. And it makes a nice specimen tree. Again, you'd put it out into a lawn area. It it'll make needs, a me- needs a
0: bit of space. It then. does.
1: It's a medium sized tree, not too large, but it's still a medium sized tree. Nice clean stem, round head. So it does very well in a, in a lawn situation or in a large shrub bed somewhere like that.
0: That. Okay, a Question via email on rhubarb. Okay. Uh, so we have some, uh, a query from a lady in Kalala, um, and she says, "I just can't grow rhubarb. I've tried over four years, fed it with farm yard manure, chicken pellets. Tried to force it. No. Planted a timberly. No wait, no, hang on, hang on. T- uh, planted a timberly three weeks ago. Just dying away. Everything else does well. Spuds, veg, fruit bushes, flowers. Uh, I dig up what's left. It's a brown, lifeless Love. life ball, like a small turnip. I've res- I can't grow rhubarb oh now. She, she sounds like she's not a novice gardener anyway, no. so what, what and, might be the problem and there? sounds
1: like, like she's done everything yeah. right. I mean, the key thing that rhubarb need is an open, bright location, so they dislike shade. Um, they want uh, moisture-retentive soil, so ground that doesn't dry out. So they use lots of, you can imagine the way it grows in the springtime, you know, there's lots of fresh growth on rhubarb, so it needs plenty of moisture and plenty of moisture in the summertime as well. Um, and Organic matter is is the secret to it. You know, lots of organic matter dug into well, the soil. She says,
0: farm yard when you So are. the
1: and the Timberly Early is one of the easiest varieties to grow. It's a it's a hardy, easy, long um, long term variety, and that that you nearly it's ready for harvesting actually at this time of year. So look at the the conditions you pick is a bright, open, sunny location, plenty of organic matter done in, into the soil. Mm. Make sure they don't dry out during the summer period. Um, that's important. Um, and apart from that, they they, you know, it's it's a mystery that the listener sounds like they've done everything correctly. Mm-hmm. Rhubarb, for example, is not a plant for containers because it dries up too quickly. So it's a plant for the garden soil. Shade can be a problem if it's in a shaded yeah, spot. May,
0: may, or, maybe it's something like that. Now. Or if
1: it's in competition with other plants, if it's right. close to other trees, close to other hedges, say a leyland hedge or a laurel hedge that would be quite vigorous and quite hungry would take from the plant. Mm. So it needs kind of an open spot. Um, as, as I say, if you've got good garden soil, open spot, plenty of organic matter. There's no reason why it shouldn't grow.
0: Uh, well, good luck uh, with that. <laughs> it's I, not
1: like it dislikes particular areas or dislikes yeah. particular... It, maybe, it's a,
0: maybe it's beside other things or something. So I yeah, it, it could be. It.
1: Competition could be one thing and shade, shade could be another be problem as well with it. Okay.
0: So, query on pruning clematis. Um, is it too late to prune, prune clematis? And if not, how far down would you prune them? My clematis is covering a fence and it's very bushy and untidy. And what feed then would I also give it? Also... I have a forest flame and what feed can I give that and can I do it now? Okay, well in uh,
1: in terms of clematis, there are two distinct different types. You've got the summer flowering clematis, which bloom from the middle of June through till October, November period. And they're pruned at this time of year. You hard prune them back like a rose bush. You trim them quite severely back. They start to grow and then they flower from July onwards mid-June, July onwards. You also have the spring flowering clematis, which this sounds like. Montana, Montana Alba, Montana Rubens, they flower typically in April. So they tend to be very bushy at this time of year, very woody-like, unattractive nearly. And then they burst into flower in April. If you prune them now, you remove all the flowers from it. So depending on the variety the listener has, but from what she describes, it sounds Probably. like it's, a, it's the spring. Montana, the spring flowering variety. If it is, if it typically flowers in April, early May, then you prune that immediately after flowering. So you wait till the flowers just to start to fade and then you cut it back. So you're cutting it back possibly about the third week of May, the fourth week of May, whenever the show of colour has gone over. And then the growth it makes this coming summer, it will flower on next April, May. Mm. So just be careful which one it is. It sounds to me like it's the spring flowering Montana variety. If it is, then leave it well enough alone. Enjoy the colour and then as soon as the flower, it goes out of flower cut it back. And you can take several feet off it. Really cut it back with the shears. Tidy it really back. Feed it well during the summer and it'll be a ball of colour next spring again.
0: Excellent. Now we've children home this weekend. We'd right. love to give them something to grow or do in the garden. Can you right. suggest a couple of challenges or interesting things <laughs> for kids to do? Remember it's wet today. It
1: is. <laughs> well, I suppose the top of the program I was talking about the sowing of seeds, so there's actually a great selection of of seeds for children to sow. Um Suttons for example, they do a specific children's collection of seeds. So things like pumpkins, things like sunflowers, um, they've got kind of edible plants or so edible herbs and, and various different kind of salad, fun f- salad plants that, that children grow indoors. So you sow the seeds of sunflower and pumpkins at this time of year indoors in a bright windowsill in a small little pot of compost covered with cling film. The children will see the seeds growing over the next week or 10 days and plant them out then later on. You could also get them to pot up some strawberries at this time of year uh, in a window box or a tub, do it indoors plant up the, the plants, leave them on the windowsill again for a couple of weeks and then let put the container out of doors and, you know, they'll, they'll fruit again from July onwards. Any of the bulbs that I mentioned, there's a lovely dwarf gladiola that could be grown for children. They only grow maybe two feet in height. Mm. Again, you can plant the bulbs at this time of year, get them to grow them on. So that kind of, the sowing of seed, the planting of bulbs, you could maybe put out a bird feeder. Feeder, yeah. Bird feeder. Yeah. I was having the breakfast this morning and watching the birds feeding on, on the feeder. They're so they're
0: really busy at the moment. They're
1: very busy. Well, they're coming up, up to the egg, egg laying or, or the breeding yeah. season now. So this is an important time for them to be putting on fat and, and taking in protein. So the feeding of sunflower seed and peanuts and wild bird feed, and it's great for children because if you get them interested in it, they tend to go out and refill the containers mm-hmm. themselves. They totally get engaged with it, and the birds will be breeding and. Having young right through April, early May, so it's important to build them up now. So it's great for children as well, and get them interested in nature, in the garden, in the circle of life.
0: So there's lots of lots of, lots things of little there. things yeah. to do.
1: Yeah, there, the Suttons have actually come out with a, a range of seed now on a tape, so the they, seed is impregnated into a. A kind of a paper tape, mm-hmm. which makes it—it it takes away the kind of having to sow the seed, as it were. You the just fiddly, roll the, the tape. The fiddly part of it. The, is. Fiddly, the fiddly part. That's a well way, of, <laughs> good way of putting it. You just literally roll the tape yeah. out and cover it with soil. Oh,
0: and, and, the, things, and does the tape kind of disintegrate it disintegrates the There's oh. some fertilizer
1: It disintegrates. Some fertiliser in it feeds the. And
0: everything's plants. perfectly spaced out. Exactly.
1: So f- particularly for things like carrots, which are tricky to transplant, they're actually sown on a tape, and you just roll it out, cover it with soil, and. How simple is that? that How is, easy is uh, that? That,
0: is, that sounds like the Dear <laughs> Buc- McKelly Buc- <laughs> School of Gardening.
1: <laughs> That's kid proof. And there's a whole range of different uh, beetroots and lots of vegetables available in the tapes. So look for those. They're, they're in Something's. the Sutton's range. Uh, they're called seed tapes for memory, and they'd be good to do as
0: well. Great. Now, uh, somebody just wants to say thanks very much on the advice in relation to cutting back roses. Cut them back three weeks ago. I have the healthiest new growth. Oh, great. The plants haven't looked this good for years. Oh, well, sense. <laughs> Can I put old yard manure, farmyard manure to them now and when should I spray?
1: Well, you'd be better to put a granulated fertilizer. Farmyard manure will just tend to push on a lot of leafy growth on the roses. It's fine when you're planting roses for the first time to put into organic matter. But really at this time of year, switch over to a granulated rose fertiliser. So Westland do one, uh, which is very good. It's actually enriched with um, horse manure from memory, but it's a pelleted fertiliser. And in that you've got the NPK, which is important, or a traditional rose feed or a fertiliser high in potash is very good for roses. And you generally feed roses once a month from now on. So put it on this weekend if you can. And then you start spraying them generally at the end of March. First week of April. That's when the bugs start to, the aphids start to come around. So, feeding is really the critical part. The fact that the listener has done the pruning. For listeners that haven't pruned the roses, do get out this weekend and cut them back because time is moving on. Time is moving on. And you can see from that listener, they obviously did it a couple of weeks back, and the new growth has already. Yeah. once you prune the rose it stimulates it to produce lots of new growth particularly if you feed it at the same time okay
0: you may recall last year um, I had taken a cutting uh, from a very old oh, rose oh yeah I remember that and I actually was out uh, now only looking not doing very much uh, during the week and it is growing it was, yeah don't. so I'm dying to see how that all comes to oh, comes really. to pass now but a bit of, yeah. little bit
1: of fertiliser yeah. on it so now so we'll be
0: minding that ro- yeah. rose well I tell if, you
1: and if it starts to grow a little bit leggy sometimes yeah. the young cuttings can
0: it's literally a cutting at right. the moment now well, and
1: you you might need to just take the top, uh, just an inch, yeah. physically take a, an inch of the top um, and. off it, yeah, and that'll get it to branch yeah. and produce a stronger plant. I just, I just plant. see
0: two little small leaves going All right, around, well, so said, yeah,
1: well, leave it, leave, it, leave it for another couple, of yeah. maybe a week or two, mm. and then put on the feed, and if it and needs yeah, a bit of pruning, great. it's yeah, great, yeah, yeah no, it's just, just it, shows you. Just that
0: it's so old, and it's it's lovely to be able to, I suppose, continue on the strain as such, or the yeah, particular that plant. that was
1: summertime, wasn't It, it was probably... It was autumn, yeah, it was maybe. Always, yeah, autumn, August September, so yeah, August. Yeah, September, around yeah, around that time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Now we have a long driveway running up to my house and always liked the idea of an avenue of trees. Sounds lovely. Uh, to frame the drive. Don't okay. want trees that will grow too big like beech, so what might your suggestions be please okay well,
1: you can you can use there's a, a wide variety of trees that will create an avenue effect. I like the Himalayan birch because they have a they're a relatively medium sized tree don 't get too big, but they 've got interesting color all year round, so you 've got that lovely white bark um twelve months of the year, apple green leaves in springtime, yellow leaves in the autumn, but they they make a nice formal avenue effect, so they 'd be quite nice. Another tree called hornbeam, carpinus betulus, has a very upright columnar shape. So it's a a tree that's often used in streets and landscapes, in urban landscapes because of its neat, compact habit. And it grows in that perfectly cone shape. So again, in an avenue effect, it would really look really nice. If it's a large avenue, you could also consider that tree I mentioned, Prunus cherate, the flat top cherry, because that looks lovely in an avenue effect as well. And maybe some of the maples, the acers, you've got acer crimson century, which is lovely red foliage lollipop shape, clean stem, round head and again looks very well planted one after the other. So there's four different trees that would, would suit and none, none of which get too, too, large too large or will need any kind of pruning back or anything like that that'll produce a nice shape. Quite. And a good time to plant them as well.
0: Now, Pork, I have a new bed ready to plant. Would love to have some scented roses, please. Would you be able to give a couple of recommendations? She needs this. I don't know why. No, it's male or female. But anyway, the person needs about 14 plants.
1: Okay. Well, I would consider planting 14 of the one variety just to get that yeah. maximum yeah. effect. You could also plant maybe a standard rose. So a standard rose is a rose with a clean stem for four feet and then it produces its, ro- its rose on top. So it'll give you roses kind of five, five feet, six feet up in the air. So if you plant one or two of those in the middle of the bed to give a bit of height and then underplant it with... Carpet roses with, well, or Well, if you want them scented, there's a lovely rose called Arthur Bell, which is a floribunda rose. It's got deep uh, yellow, buttery yellow flowers. The buds are actually red when they open and then they open up into this lovely butter yellow flower with a fantastic scent. So that's a really good one, Arthur Bell. There's another one called Mum in a Million which is um, a pink, a, a double pink flowering rose, highly scented, grows to about three feet. Really nice rose. Again, highly, very good for, for sweet scent during the summer. The David Austin roses, there's a whole range of David Austin roses. They're more shrubby. They're grown in kind of a shrubby, like a small shrub, but they form huge, big, blousy, double flowers in a whole range of different colors. Now, I'd plant one variety of it, um, you know, to to, to have an effect, Mm. but they're highly scented as well. And there's another lovely rose, a peach-colored rose called Warm Wishes, which, again, is highly scented. Again, look, pop into your local garden center. It's a good time for planting roses, and there's many good fragrant varieties uh, available this time of year and a great time to plant them. And if planted now, they will flower this summer.
0: Great. Now, a listener, has Set Lilandii last year, what fertilizer should they put on them?
1: Well, remember that Lelandia are very vigorous and, and tend not to need a whole lot of, yeah, of yeah. feeding. <laughs> you um, mightn't
0: want to put too much on no, them No, you
1: don't really do a lot. If you, if you want to give them a small bit, a bit of um, Osmo would be fine, a handful of Osmo around or half a handful of Osmo around at the base of each of them. But generally speaking, Lelandia are quite vigorous in their own right and don't yeah. need a lot of fertiliser. They're not one of those plants you have to c- encourage to grow. They grow in their own um, on their own right, so... Look at it. if it's good soil, I'd leave them well enough alone. If you need to, feel, if you feel you need to give them a bit of feed, then put on a half a handful of osmo around the base of them and do it at this time of year.
0: Okay, Patrick is wondering: is farmyard manure good for onions?
1: Not directly. Not you don't put them. Onions are actually a, an unusual vegetable in that they're quite small, but yet they do need. Uh, good levels of fertiliser because of hu- they, they basically put on the scales layers and layers of scales um, so they do need reasonably fertile soil generally speaking what I would use the farm of manure for is the more hungrier crops like potatoes cabbage, anything in the cabbage family and then the following year put the onions into that ground that has been fertilised a year ago type of thing. Generally with onions put in a granulated feed so, again, a tree, a vegetable fertilizer, granulated fertilizer, rake that into the soil but before putting in the bulbs or the seed and they'll do perfectly fine.
0: Okay, just one or two more quick ones before we wrap up. Um, Dahlia bulbs, they have worms in the center. How might I get rid of these, asks Julia.
1: It sounds like it could be vine weevil that, that may be overwintered um, and there are insecticides that you can use. Again, go into your local garden center. There's one called Provado that you can actually make up in a solution. You dip the tuber into it before planting it into the compost. So do that now or spray it on and that'll get rid of any any bugs that are on the tubers. Great time to pot them up, keep them indoors for a couple of weeks and then plant them out from May onwards.
0: Okay and two very quickies Um, can you just reiterate the name of the Ivy Killer? (laughs) It's quite
1: simple to remember it's S-B-K Think of those three letters, SBK, it's a brushwood killer, very effective on ivy.
0: And to just, we were talking about the camellias earlier, uh, somebody's just double-checking, do they all need lime-free compost, camellias? Camellias or? do, yeah. They, yeah.
1: No, they're, they're, they're not as fussy as rhododendrons and they're, they are a plant that will do well in pots and containers as well, so you can put down ericaceous compost when you're planting them. Remember to feed camellias too after flowering. So once they go out of flower in May, feed them on a regular basis to build them up for next year.
0: Brilliant, Park. We're going to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed.
1: You're more than welcome. Enjoyed we shall
0: it. talk to you next Saturday. Next
1: Saturday, hopefully the weather will be a little bit brighter and warmer and drier.
0: Fingers crossed. Yeah, but
1: plenty to be done in the garden.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all. Thanks, you Very Dad. much, not at all, Park. Thank you uh, for all your questions as well. Uh, I'll be back again next Saturday just after seven. Until then, have yourselves a really good weekend. Stand by, Michael Neary on the way next with Country Classics and local news, too, with Michael D. McAndrew. For the moment, good morning to you.